Welcome to a Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the consecration to St. Joseph. My name is Father Adam Potter, and we've made it to day 20. Today, we continue our journey in preparation for this consecration to Jesus through St. Joseph by looking at his virtue of obedience. We'll take a look at it in general in his life and then apply it to ourselves just to see where we can grow in this most important virtue. If you're ready, let's begin, as we always do, by prayer, invoking the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, Grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Salutations to St. Joseph Hail Joseph, image of God the Father. Hail Joseph, Father of God the Son. Hail Joseph, temple of the Holy Spirit. Hail Joseph, beloved of the Holy Trinity. Hail Joseph, faithful helper of the Great Council. Hail, Joseph, guardian of holy virgins. Hail, Joseph, great lover of poverty. Hail, Joseph, exemplar of meekness and patience. Hail, Joseph, model of humility and obedience. Blessed are you among men, and blessed are your eyes which have seen the things you saw. Blessed are your ears which have heard the things you heard. And blessed are your hands which have fondled the word made flesh. And blessed are your arms which have carried him who keeps all things in existence. And blessed is your bosom on which the Son of God fondly rested. And blessed is your heart aflame with the most ardent love. And blessed is the Eternal Father who chose you. And blessed is the Son who loved you. And blessed is the Holy Spirit who sanctified you. And blessed is Mary, your spouse, who loved you as her spouse and brother. And blessed is the angel who guarded you. And blessed be forever all who bless and love you. The Memorari to St. Joseph Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly into thee, my spiritual father, and beg thy protection, O foster father of the Redeemer. Despise not my petitions, but in thy goodness, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, well, it's good to be back with you. I just have to say, I've really I've loved those salutations to St. Joseph. I, I hope you have too. It's just, I don't know, it brings great consolation being able to thank the Lord for who he is and all of these different dimensions for his eyes that saw what he saw, his ears that heard what he heard, and I don't know all of it. And then just to consider the ways that even he was able to, in his fidelity, to bless God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and even the the ways that he's able to bless you and me who bless him. It's I love being Catholic. I just love our faith and I love St. Joseph. Today we take a look at his virtue of obedience and just to um, maybe consider what obedience is and why it's one of these most important virtues. Obedience. Yeah, I do think it's important to put it in its proper context because 
Does anyone like to be obedient today? Um, I, I think we have right now, especially as Westerners, we have this idea of independence, autonomy as being the highest value and obedience as just being stifling and authoritarian in a way that would keep us from actually being able to be ourselves. And I think there's a, a helpful balance of both and of both embracing of obedience and then also being able to find our own independence. What's the value of obedience? I can't underestimate this enough. The Lord's put this on my heart, especially as of recently, that it is obedience that's most important and I think can be most powerful in terms of a way to bring the faithful, bring the just the people of God back to truly the Lord, right? And just in consideration of all the ways that people are falling away and drifting away and losing their faith, losing their devotion, I think obedience is this great path to come back to the Lord. How? Here's a, a quick story from scripture that speaks volumes uh, to me about what obedience is. If you remember uh, back in the Old Testament, this is in the book of First Samuel. I'd appreciate uh, or encourage you to go and check it out. Saul was made king and Saul was given great opportunity just to flourish as being, being the king. And of course, he ends up not being the king that Israel needs. How does that happen? Well, in a lot of ways, it was through disobedience. Here's one story. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where he's invited by God to go and to take down this opposing force. It's the Amalekites. And God says, I will be with you. I want you to go and to take them down. And he says, and there's a lot to be said about this in the explanation of why, but he says, destroy them and to leave nothing left. Um, no crops, no houses, no treasures, no, no anything. Um, and it's in this that I'll be able to truly bless you. And so what does Saul do? He goes in, he wins this victory with the Lord on his side, and then he keeps stuff. <laughs> he keeps all of these um, animals. He keeps all of these treasures. But to be able to get away with it, he offers God some of the best of the livestock. And he thinks this is what uh, can justify him being able to do what he wants. And then the prophet Samuel comes and he has these harsh words to Saul. He says, does the Lord so delight in holocausts and sacrifices as in obedience to the command of the Lord? Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission than the fat of rams. Do you see what the condemnation is? It's against this offerings of different sacrifices and holocausts. This idea that, oh, look, Lord, I'm giving you all this like great stuff that now can justify me being able to do what I want. I know you told me to do this thing very clearly and directly. And yet, look, if I give you this really good thing, then I can get away with what I want to do, right? And, and Samuel's able to say, no, obedience is what the Lord desires more than all of these sacrifices and holocausts. What about us, right? <laughs> I don't know, just in consideration of this call to obedience is what the Lord desires most. How many of you like being obedient? How many of you like being told what to do? I don't know if it's at work. I don't know if it's at school, if it's at home, if it's uh, chores around the house, uh, homework or different obligations, duties. I don't know. Obedience can be empty, right? 
I know um, in myself, I just like have this really strong sense of independence that it, I just have a really hard time being told what to do. I love it if I get determined, here's what I'm going to do, um, but being told what to do. And this is hard whenever we see obedience played out in the church. We have these different obligations that the church says, this is what is required of you. Things like going to mass on Sunday, observing the uh, Sunday, the Sabbath as a holy day, um, keeping all of the commandments, going to confession at least once a year, um, go down all of these, all the list of these precepts of the church of what is required of us. And a lot of times like, I don't have a problem with obedient, with being uh, obedient to going to confession. I just don't want to be told like it's Lent, you have to go. <laughs> I want to go because I want to go. Isn't that a good, a good desire? And it's like, sure, sure. Because Obedience can be empty, and so to be able to go because I want to go is a good desire. But I think there has to be a, a meshing of them coming together, where I see what I'm being asked to do, and I'm able to meet it halfway. Um, how, do, how did we get here? I think we got here by, at the fall. I think we got here going all the way back to original sin. Like, I don't think this is anything new. I think this goes all the way back to the beginning of our first parents, Adam and Eve, who were given everything that they needed to flourish in the Garden of Eden. Everything. God just said, don't eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, lest you die. And here, all of a sudden, it's like it couldn't be clear. They had everything that they needed to flourish, and yet... The evil one comes in through the form of a serpent and starts twisting that truth, twisting that invitation to flourish, flourish. And he starts pointing him back to like, why did God say you can't do that? Is it really true that if you, you can't eat it, you can't even touch it, lest you will die? You won't really die. And isn't this the way the evil one works, right? Just to twist the good news of the truth that God gives us and just twisting it. Just twisting it just a little bit to distort our relationship with reality, with these good things of the world. And it's in this we see the first fall. What was the rap what was the core of this fall, the original sin? Well, we can see very clearly it is disobedience, right? In St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 5, he talks about as through one man and his disobedience, sin and death came into the world. And therefore, through one man, Jesus, through obedience, life and redemption came into the world. And so we see that it is about obedience, but there's actually something deeper. Here's what the Catechism says, and it's one of the most incredible insights into this core reality. This is the Catechism paragraph 397. Man tempted by the devil, let his trust in his creator die in his heart and abusing his freedom, disobeyed God's command. This is what man's first sin consisted of. All subsequent sin would be disobedience toward God and lack of trust in his goodness. End quote. Powerful, right? To see wrapped up in this original act of disobedience was ultimately about not trusting. And this is like, oh, I think this is the the open door to a flourishing in the spiritual life of being able to see the reason why we don't obey freely, willingly, with great zeal 
is because we doubt. We don't actually trust in God's goodness, right? That the Father who created this world in a way that has a natural order to it wants us to flourish. That the laws here aren't to restrict us, but they're here to give us freedom. And it's in his goodness, the goodness of the Father, that he asks us to trust him. Can you trust me that by not giving into this thing that you really want to do, you'll actually be able to flourish even more down the road than you ever imagined possible. And all subsequent sin from there, says the catechism, rests in this lack of trust in God and therefore our disobedience to his law. I think we need St. Joseph. I think we need St. Joseph because he, in a very clear way, along with Mary, are able to um, undo this original knot of Adam and Eve. And where they don't trust in God, Joseph and Mary and the Holy Family are able to undo it with perfect obedience, grounded in perfect trust. Here's what our friend St. Peter Julian Amard says about St. Joseph and his trust. I'm just going to read through. This is just a, um, a brief passage of him talking about Joseph embracing obedience throughout his entire life. Listen to what he has to say. Quote, Joseph never inquired where the orders came from or who gave them, nor even why. Without exception, he submitted to God, to the civil rulers, and to the voice of conscience. When God sends an angel to charge him with the care of Mary in spite of the mystery which surrounds her maternity and troubles his humility, he obeys. When he is told to flee into Egypt under painful circumstances well calculated to fill him with worry and anxiety, he obeys without the slightest word of objection. On his return, he has no idea where to go. Naturally, he heads for Bethlehem since the child had been born there, and God had not revealed otherwise. Not until he has reached the very gates of Judea does God advise him in a dream to return to Nazareth. Surely God could have warned him in advance, but it pleases him to see these sacrifices accepted out of obedience. In every situation, Joseph's obedience is as simple as his faith, as humble as his heart, as prompt as his love. It neglects nothing. It is universal. End quote. This obedience of Joseph is described by St. Peter Julian Amard as universal, even um, as blind. And I think that should be qualified against maybe an overly rigid sense of obedience. You just have to do it. You can't ask any questions. We can see that in obedience, there's an engagement of our will are choosing to do what we've been told, what God has revealed. This is what's good for you. This is what's right. Um, and also our, our intellect. That we need to engage our, our intellect in being able to come to see and to know more about the circumstances, more about the different relationships, so that we can properly and even more fully engage our will. And so, well, Joseph is described as obeying even blindly. This is more to speak to the way that his entire intellect and will were totally given over to God. And God was able to bless him with this supernatural grace <laughs> to be able to know everything that he needed to know. And therefore that grace to fully submit himself, even whenever 
it seemed absurd <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night or coming back not knowing where exactly he's going to go and God seemingly waiting for the last moment to tell him, nope, I want you to go here. It's like, ah! <laughs> and yet there was no resentment, no feeling of him being manipulated or coerced. Why? Because Joseph trusted that these invitations were coming for a loving God and Father. How important is obedience? It's so important that whenever Jesus is um, active in his ministry, he's able to show the greatest model of obedience is Mary, right? Uh, Jesus is preaching, right? And he has that that great moment of someone yelling out in the crowd, um, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. And it's this great moment that maybe you don't appreciate just how awkward that would have been. (laughs) Of like, what? Who says that? Um, But ultimately, they're asking, Jesus, you're incredible. Everything you're doing, everything you're saying, who's your mom? (laughs) And he's able to say, right, blessed rather, right? Not just the one who gave birth to me biologically, but blessed rather are those who, do you remember the line? Hear the word of God and do it or keep it as it's also translated, that Mary is great not just in her biological contribution, but truly in her obedience, in her faithful obedience, hearing the word of God and doing it. Joseph doesn't get a shout out here, but we know that he had this incredible part of handing on his obedience to Jesus. How important was Mary and Joseph's role? Critical for salvation. (laughs) Critical for salvation. How did Jesus save the world? How, right? And just considering, really, what saves us in our sin? And maybe we look to the cross and we've been told, like, it was his suffering. It was how much pain he took on. He took on the pain of all of the sins of the world. And and that's not unimportant. That is a, a crucial part of just how much he suffered and endured for our sake out of love for you and me. But ultimately what saved us is his prayer in the garden. Father, if you're willing, let this chalice pass from me. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. Friends, Jesus saves the world by submitting perfectly as it was united in his humanity to his divinity, his will to the will of the Father perfectly, such that he's able to undo the disobedience of Adam and Eve and fulfill it perfectly in an obedient offering of himself and love to the Father. To think about as as Jesus is on the cross that he's thinking about not just his mom at the foot of the cross, but even Joseph and all of the ways he would have been tempted to disobey or just to maybe do things, not even disobey, but like to do things his own way, right? It was just, no, it was about the way of the father. And this came through Joseph to be able to show him you can trust the heavenly father. You can trust him. He is trustworthy. And it's in this that Jesus in his last breath is able to say, Father, Into your hands I commend my spirit. Where do we need obedience in our lives? Where do we need St. Joseph just to give us this freedom to trust in our Heavenly Father, to offer our own wills, our own intellects, and to say, Fiat, not my will, but your will be done. Let's take that to prayer, especially as we turn now to St. Joseph in this litany. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. God, the Holy, Tr Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Noble offspring of David, pray for us. Light of patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God, pray for us. Chaste guardian of the Virgin, pray for us. Foster father of the Son of God, pray for us. Zealous defender of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph most just, pray for us. Joseph most chaste, pray for us. Joseph most prudent, pray for us. Joseph most courageous, pray for us. Joseph most obedient, pray for us. Joseph most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of patience, pray for us. Lover of poverty, pray for us. Model of workmen, pray for us. Glory of domestic life, pray for us. Guardian of virgins, pray for us. Pillar of families, pray for us. Comfort of the afflicted, pray for us. Hope of the sick, pray for us. Patron of the dying, pray for us. Terror of demons, pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church, pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. He has made him Lord of his household and prince over all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother, grant us the favor of having him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector. You who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect each and every one of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God, that's day 20 down. That's a, a full uh, two 10-day periods. <laughs> no, I was thinking those two weeks. It's not two weeks. Not two weeks yet. You know, we're, we're just uh, coming in on two weeks to go. This is about the exact point of in two weeks we'll be celebrating um, the conclusion of this. And if you're going through this live, it'll be the glorious feast of St. Joseph on March 19th, which I don't know that there's a better feast to be able to celebrate our consecration on. So let's keep going. If you're finding these helpful um, and enjoyable, please, I ask you to please like it, share it, subscribe, comment as well. How do you feel about obedience? Does that make sense? Any questions about it? Um, how do you see St. Joseph? What were his finer moments of being obedient? Besides his whole life, that's an easy answer. Um, great. And if you want to support and find out more about Drybones Ministries, check out our website, drybonespgh.org. I've got a lot of good things going on. would appreciate your prayers for that. And know my prayers for you. Look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless you. And St. Joseph, pray for us.